Hey folks, you're listening to an episode of Cultural Lenses, a show about life from the perspective of an Indian man who grew up in the Middle East and is now living in Canada. Cultural Lenses is hosted by Nikhil Chodimela, otherwise known as LR11, or more simply, as LR. The theme song of Cultural Lenses was made by good friends of LR, Revelries. You can find them on Spotify and also on Twitter at Revelries Music. And finally, to keep up with LR and all of what he does, make sure you follow him on Twitter at LRThe11, on Instagram at LR11, and on Twitch, where he occasionally streams at twitch.tv LR11. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Cultural Lenses. I'm your host, Nikhil Chodimelo, otherwise known as LR11, or more simply known as LR, as you would have heard from the intro, and yet I still do it every time, and I will continue to do it every time. Um, Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, This week is a little bit of a longer episode because I have a very special guest today. Um, Today I'm joined uh, by Neha, a content creator um she makes uh food videos on tiktok um that highlights a lot of south asian specifically south indian south asian culture um i guess that's the best way to put it because indians are classified as south asian and then i'm from south india but i reached out to her after seeing a specific video on on uh, tiktok um that just you know really it made me stop and think and we, we go over some of that in, in the uh, conversation I have with her. But that's what we're doing today. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about um, what representation means to us um, specifically, uh, talking about food and how that relates to society and culture, and also just learning more about her because she's she, it's been really cool getting to know her over the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah. Um, it is a little bit of a longer episode, a little bit over an hour, so if you want to chunk it up, go ahead and chunk it up. But otherwise, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will catch y'all next week. The show before? Or, or like a, a, and no, this will be your first time. Yeah, this is my first time. Anything like this. That's going to be cool. I mean, you have experience anyways with recording yourself, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, okay. Uh, thank you for doing this. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you currently do, and um, why I reached out to you, or like how sure. did I find you? Uh, so my name is Neha Nalam. I am 31 years old, and I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts. 
I work for an airline and I essentially do corporate strategy and data analytics for the airline. I love it. Um, however, my job can be very data heavy and just a lot of analysis. So my favorite hobby now is essentially cooking, sharing recipes, developing recipes, and then also sharing my stories through food on TikTok. And you found me through TikTok. Um, so it's been super exciting to talk to you and, you know, kind of hear your perspective on all of this. And I'm excited to share a little bit more about myself and, and what I think about food, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I, I think the the main attraction was when I saw your video, you were speaking, uh, not speaking, but you used a couple of Telugu words. Um, yeah. And for those who might not know, Telugu is uh, um, our mother tongue, actually, because we have a shared uh, background of coming from the same part of India. And yeah. hearing, because if, if you ever look at any kind of media or representation of Indians, it's usually they're going to be, it's usually Hindi or with the very Apu-like you know, American Indian accent. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so hearing, um, you know, my language or language that I grew up with um, uh, used so normally was very refreshing. And then immediately I'm like, right, I want to know more about what this person's doing because um, that's what a lot of people in positions of privilege don't understand what representation can do. It's making you excited that somebody's sharing a part of you. So um, how, because I think there's a lot of people that can understand wanting to express yourself in a different way than what you're used to. Um, but why food? What, what was, what was the, what drew you to like, I want to make food videos? So just for some background about me, my mom, she's essentially the person who who is, who was my teacher, who still is my teacher. Um, and she's always taught me that you can share your love for others through the food that you make for them. Um, so if you've ever come to my house, uh, you will not leave with an empty stomach. In fact, you will be very full. <laughs> and so that was always a beautiful kind of notion that my mom taught me. And I've always tried to emulate that from her. Um, so as I started to get older, one way that I saw that I could connect with my culture, with my mom, was through the food that I made. Um, and so I started sharing recipes on Instagram. And from there, I started to see, hey, TikTok is kind of a really cool place to share like stories, but also food recipes and that kind of a thing. And I started to notice that there wasn't really like a voice for maybe South Indian um, people sharing food. Um, either you really have people who are from India and they don't necessarily have that experience of growing up in the United States. And so I saw that as kind of an opportunity to like reconnect to my roots, have that connection with my mom, but then also like kind of um, connect with people who were like me who grew up in the United States, but also are very traditional in a sense. So uh, essentially why I wanted to start making videos on TikTok. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, for uh, just a little bit more um, reference or background, um, anybody who might be new and listening, I, uh, we, uh, Nea and I actually have a similar kind of upraising, upbringing, I guess. Um, I was born in India, then I moved to uh, the Middle East, and then I went to Canada to do my bachelor's degree, whereas you were 
born in India and then moved shortly after to the States. Is that correct? Yeah, I was uh, actually I was born in Mumbai and then okay. came to the States when I was about three and a half. Um, nice. My sister was exactly 45 days old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we've been here for a while now. Um, so yeah, we've been here ever since. And it's been a very like, kind of like you, kind of a mixed bag of what our parents have stuck yeah, to yeah. trying to hold on to those traditions, but then also being exposed to a lot of different, like for me, American culture and right. um, trying to put the, the two together. Right. And, and even the Middle East, um, it's still very much all of our media and exposure is based on Western media. So yeah. uh, that's why there was not a lot of um, culture shock when I moved over. Um, but then that does make you essentially a third culture kid. Uh, which is what started this whole thing. I had this idea a couple of years ago of like, I'm a third culture kid because my background is Indian. I grew up in the Middle East and the two cultures have formed this fusion culture. So let me talk about that because things are interesting from our perspective. Um, uh, that's uh, So with food, except for this recent exploration, was there always like signs as you were growing up that you might do something with food, but you just never either kind of pursued it or nobody ever pushed you? I, so I guess a rite of passage, at least in my house, was the moment that I started making round rotis with my mom. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And partially, I wish I never learned because I officially became her cooking assistant for every yep. single meal. <laughs> but um, I think I was like 15 or 16 when I finally like learned and I would just observe her in the kitchen I'd just watch everything she was doing. There's no such thing as measurements in my mom's kitchen. Um, and somehow I was able to absorb that and learn that from her. Uh, so I never thought that growing up that I could be creative in the food space at all. Um, yeah. I think so much of what you're taught growing up is that, Hey, you're, you need to have a very good job. And I'm not saying that you can't be creative and have a good job, but like you're told that you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And I, right. I know that notion is spoken about so much, but I never knew that I could be creative until I was exposed to Instagram and to TikTok. And, you know, that's been a recent um, kind of finding for me. And that's been super exciting. And this recent exploration has this uh, given you, uh, has this allowed you or have you allowed yourself to reassess what you might want in life moving forward? Or like you're just still figuring it out? No. Um, I would love for one day, maybe for food to become my whole thing or what I do going forward. Uh, obviously, it's it's not necessarily bringing money in right now or anything like that. But in the sense of like um, being able to share my story full time would be something amazing that I think I could possibly do. Um, I never thought that this could be something more than just a hobby. And as I've started doing this and um, talking to different people, being exposed to different people, it's like shown me that, you know, I don't just have to stay in my current like career. I can branch out and do something else. So that part's been super exciting for me. And uh, okay, so this is interesting because um, a lot of people um, often, especially nowadays, I'd say over the last five to six years, 
um, yeah. with, you know, YouTubers, Twitch streamers, you know, content creators of all types on the rise. People like, you know, they're making, especially the ones at the top, it, it all comes down to luck or whatever, but let's say you're looking at the ones at the top, you know, like they're yeah. making a lot of money, making all this content. I want to do that. I want to be that, but they don't understand the background work it takes. So right. how, how is that for you um, going from your normal, you know, nine to five and then wanting to do this and then realizing, wait, I have to edit these videos I have to put them together it has to make <laughs> sense the music yeah. has to line up if I want it should like I need to make conscious choices how has that process been I I think it's uh in a sense a way to build your confidence along the way if you see some of my original videos on TikTok I just kind of laugh at them um you can hear that nervousness in my voice you can see the shaky camera and by no means am I an expert now like I'm still constantly learning but there's a factor where you're constantly kind of like my job, you're constantly gathering information. Um, you know, you see other people kind of doing their own thing. Some people are willing to share. Um, YouTube has been super valuable for me because there are amazing bloggers on there who actually share like how they set up or how they do videos right. and that type of thing. Um, but before TikTok, I used to do just a lot of food photography on the side. It was just something okay. that I really enjoyed doing. So as far as like digital media, I, I was exposed to it just by okay. having a camera and like testing things out through my camera. Um, now I film all of my TikToks on my phone, but eventually I would love to shift over to my actual um, Sony Alpha. But until then, um, it's just been a learning process and not everything's going to be successful. Um, sometimes I drop my phone in the food and, and that whole video <laughs> experience is going to be over. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's been fun and I can just hear my voice like becoming more confident. And, and right. that's been really cool for me to see that. Yeah, I remember when I did my first ever podcast, which was a gaming podcast in 2018. I was yeah. quiet. It was the three of us and I was, I was dead silent for the first maybe three, four weeks. And then eventually yeah. I started, you know, getting more used to it because um, I can talk normally, but I never imagined I'd be sitting in front of a microphone. Um, yeah. Okay. So you had a background in food photography or, and were there any, cause it's one of my favorite things is finding those uh, transitionary skills. So are there any skills that you can think of? Um, if not, that's fine. I, I'm sure eventually it'll come to you, but any skills you can think of from your work or from other parts of your life that have made sense to apply here? Yeah, actually. So one strength of mine has always been the form of, or being able to communicate or articulate well for the most part. Hopefully that's coming across right now. <laughs> but at work, you have to be very confident. You have to tell a story. Um, you know, if you tell a good story in a compelling way, your, your managers, your upper management, they're going to listen to what you have to say and they're going to implement hopefully kind of the suggestions that you make. And that's what I do on a daily basis. Um, and what I've noticed, even in this um, kind of realm, is that you have to be very confident with your voice. You need to articulate well. You need to be able to tell a story. Um, you need to be able to engage people. And what I've noticed, even just in that Cabbage Cora video that I made, was I was sharing things about myself. And But I was also, I feel, able to share some information about, like, Telugu food or Telugu vanta. Right, right. 
And I think so many people were able to hear my voice, relate to that, but then also feel very comforted knowing that I had, they had a similar experience to me. Um, so communication, I think is key, whether it's in my actual career or like through TikTok or Instagram. Yeah. And that's, um, even, even what we're doing now, if I didn't know how to phrase or be able to um, articulate how I wanted to have this conversation, you probably might've passed up, you know, this conversation too, um, because that Cabbage Kura video was exact, it was like, this is, um, everything about the way I grew up it, it really was because all we ever see is North Indian food yeah yeah and which is great but we're a little bit more than that you know I think the interesting part that you just said is North Indian food but to me it's actually more restaurant food in the sense that you know even North Indian food is super diverse and they yes. have all sorts yes. of dishes and what people outside of India don't understand is that we don't just eat tikka masala. We don't just yep. eat, eat butter, paneer, whatever. Like those are very uncommon dishes. We don't make those at home. Um, I remember growing up, we would go to restaurants and eat that kind of food. I yes. never once, like, I think I started making it at home because it was like something we craved and we wanted to try it. Yep. So that part um, for me and having those kind of realizations has been very interesting. Yeah, and then if even if you look into it, uh, I can't remember all the facts uh, off the top of my head, but um, there were like there was a restaurant called Moti Mahal in Delhi um, okay. that is responsible for dal makhni, uh, chicken uh, tandoori chicken, and then the way they use the uh, uh, tandoor so by pulling it out of the ground and actually having it up on display because they were a uh, Indian restaurant that served a lot of um, foreigners. And so they oh, wanted to make a show out of it. Yeah, so I'd have to look into it again. But uh, And this was in 1930 or 1940 or something. And they're the ones that came up with a lot of these dishes. Um, so I, I would remember times in high school where uh, that's all people would ask, uh, oh, what do you eat? And I'm like, well, uh, or, or they'd assume that all we ate was tandoori chicken or chicken tikka masala or this and that. I'm yeah. like, well, it's, 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 it's a little bit more than that. And that was the real driving passion. I did an episode on curry. Um, okay. Curry is not, it's not this monolith gravy-based brownish reddish thing. Um, no. <laughs> and, and so before I get too uh, heated, um, how did... <laughs> how how are what is the goal with your story telling what what is the story that you want to tell and let's start going to that uh, vein honestly I think that's something that's going to be evolving for me over time sure. uh I didn't realize that my story mattered in a sense like it mattered to me but I didn't realize so many people could relate to it and the one of the videos that I did was kind of in reaction to seeing people calling dosa flatbread yeah. and mm -hmm. that honestly upset me and I've noticed that some of my anger is being funneled into these videos in a constructive manner um it reminds me of like you know when you get an email at work and you just want to be like what is this like you know you're kind of angry well as per my previous email yeah exactly <laughs> um but doing these videos I'm able to kind of calm down What's the goal and the purpose of this video? Why am I making it? And it's been helping me kind of message that out to people. And the craziest thing about that video is the 
like, I don't know how many comments I got on there, but it was just comments and comments of people relating to my story and being angered or angry that, you know, there was so much judgment for them growing up. And I know some people say it's a tired story, like everyone talks about it, but I sometimes feel like I had no one who I could look up to or talk to about this. Right. But who's it a tired um, story for? Is it for the people who can't relate that are listening or is it for us? Because it's, it's a reality that we still live. Exactly. And, you know, that comes with that, like that judgment. I think um, some people are just bored and they don't want to hear it unfortunately right. but for me growing up I never had somebody that I could be like oh you had this experience too oh wait I can talk to you about this I had friends we would talk about it but like some of my friends were very modern and some of my friends were more traditional right. and I was kind of on in the middle of that spectrum so um I don't know it wasn't it wasn't something we talked a lot about right um especially because um um given your age, you, by the time the internet was coming about, you would have been 10 or 11 and like really coming up on the rise. And so that time by then was like, this is an accessory to my life. You weren't yeah. growing up with the internet like me or my sister were. So exactly. at that point it became like second nature. So communicating with people was like, oh, cool. I could talk to this person in Paris. Yeah, I, I think my generation or the millennials, like YouTube is such a big thing for the generations below us. Um, but for our generation, I think none of us thought that we could become YouTubers necessarily. Right. And I don't mean to generalize for my whole demographic in any way, right. but at least for me, again, like I mentioned, I didn't know that I could become a creative. I didn't know that this could be possibly a career path for me. Right. Whereas I think different generations, that, that's why TikTok is so amazing. It's that exposure, but also so many others that you're exposed to who are doing this kind of like you. Right, because we haven't had a chance to relate to, you know, things that are normal to us being diminished. Exactly. Right, because there's a difference yeah. between, oh, is that like flatbread or is that flatbread thing? Because those are very two very different um, intentions behind those, because one is somebody who genuinely has no idea and wants to learn, and the other one is somebody yeah. like relating it and grouping it all into one. Yeah, I, and you could see that in the comments as well. Like there were people who were just like, well, how can I call it those if I don't know what it is? And I, I had to clarify um, and I had to kind of mention that, hey, like I'm kind of specifically talking about a group of people who are blatantly doing this. I'm not talking about people who are unaware of Indian cooking and that type of thing. Right. And that was also kind of a learning experience for me to be even more articulate than I can be um, because it can cause confusion. Right. Yeah. And people do get blindly passionate about something sometimes, especially on the internet. Yeah. The moment you give them an <laughs> argument where they're like, I feel vaguely threatened by this. And so I'm going to go all out. Yeah, one thing I remember with all of these videos and comments is tone is very much missing from a text comment that's on a video. I, yeah. And so something that I am constantly doing, you know, if I see somebody kind of doubting me or, you know, saying something negative, I take a step back. I think about what they're trying to say. And I actually respectfully or like in a very positive manner, try to explain if there's some confusion. And a lot of the time it's just like, they just genuinely have a question. They just don't know how to ask it. And that's been an interesting learning experience for me as well. That politeness doesn't right. exist on the internet anymore. So that's been, that's been one of my issues too, where it's so difficult to 
gauge tone and genuinity on the internet where sometimes you'll get a question you automatically think that they're just there to rile you up yeah. but then they want to learn so how do you how do you establish because there has to be a space for people to ask the stupid questions unfortunately yeah. that's not going to happen on internet forums it's going to have to happen in friend groups or like conversations like this which is part of why i also wanted to do this I'm like if you have stupid questions ask mm -hmm. them because you need to be able to ask them safely um what has been some of the biggest issues or comments you have received if you can remember a couple or if not sure um so i think during the dosa is don't call dosa flatbread video um a lot of people were like i'm gonna call it whatever i want and i don't care about your culture and with those kind of comments i was just kind of like look you seem like you don't have a lot of positivity in your life um and in those moments i just don't engage uh, okay. It's not worth my time, it's not worth my energy, nor my mental health to kind of pursue down that path of trying to correct somebody who doesn't want to learn. Uh, on the other hand, there were so many comments, and it was the majority of the comments where people wanted to learn or had a story where they could relate. There was young kids on there, I think there was a girl who's in high school right now. And she was like, this is how exactly how I feel. And I never knew that this was the experience of anybody else because I'm the only South Asian in my school. And that resonated with me so much because I, not until I got into the 11th grade. So I moved to Texas, Dallas, Texas. Yep. Uh, and there is a huge population of South Asians in Texas. Yep. But until that point, I actually grew up as like one of um, three Indians in a school. So I've lived in a lot of different places and I didn't, I've never seen so many Indians in my life. So it was actually right. a culture shock for me. Um, and so when I saw comments like that, I, I, I just thought back to like my experiences and I was just glad that I was able to help this person out and, you know, don't, don't do the things that I did, like be proud of who you are, who your culture is. I know it's really hard to, but sometimes, you know, you just got to be stronger and it's, it's not worth it in the long run to, to let go of that. So absolutely. These were the kind of comments that I would see on there and the ones that I could educate, you know, people were like, what's a dosa? Can you tell me more about it? Um, then there was Google, uh, researchers who would like Google dosa and, you know, those is like very, um, comes in a lot of different forms. You have yeah. rabadosa, you have pasiratu, you have all sorts of dosa, and it's not just yes. made out of rice and lentils, all sorts of ingredients. And so they would Google it and they'd be like, well, um, dosa isn't just, it's made with rice and lentils. And I was like, hey, I understand that you have Google and that's what you found, but Indian food is actually very elaborate, very different depending on the region you come from. So to say all of that, uh, the what I could do was to educate the people who wanted to be educated. I would ignore the comments, honestly, that were trying to instigate something. And then there's a lot of comments where they were relating back to my story. And so overall, it was a beautiful experience and I'm not going to regret it in any way. Um, I think I need to make these videos so that uh, people can see me as a resource in this sense. Yeah, and one of my follow-up questions was going to be, how do you deal with the negativity? But you answered that by setting oh. boundaries for yourself, which is which yeah. is important. Um, yeah. I think a lot of creators feel the need to 
um, especially starting out, they feel the need to address every single concern, um, positive or negative, and take that to yeah. heart. Um, but you've already made sure that you put up those um, um, those boundaries, those restrictions, because you understand what you're doing. You know you're not doing anything harmful. You're making a video about food, of all things, yeah. about the food that you grew up with, not about, you know, it'd be different. Probably there's some validity if you're making a video about, I don't know, Hungarian food, and then you're absolutely yeah. butchering the recipe. Um, yeah. But and you were talking about that high school kid, and you grew up as one of three South Asians, um, you know, starting out at least until the eleventh grade. What yeah. was what was school lunch like? Yeah, um, I hope. <laughs> I feel like my mom is going to be so disappointed if she hears this, but. <laughs> My mom, she would make amazing food for us. Like there would be everything from like roti and a curry, like a kora, like, a, yeah. you know, like a fry to like alu gobi. She would make um, dosa for us. She would make idli, all sorts of amazing food. And I took it all for granted. And sometimes I wouldn't eat the food. Um, sometimes I would just leave it in my locker. Sometimes I would throw it out and I have so much regret from that time of doing all of that, just so that I could maintain like a status quo of like what others were doing. Right. And, uh, it's, it's honestly unfortunate. I, I had to grow up to understand the situation. I will say that like, finally, once I got to Plano, Texas, I, felt like I could be more of myself finally right. um, because there were so many South Asians there. Like it wasn't abnormal. Yeah. Um, but I'm, up until that point, I felt like I was the odd one out a little bit and I had to do certain things to make sure that I wasn't the odd one out. Right. I mean, what are you supposed to do when people tell you that your food smells and you want to be able to make friends? It's, it's probably one of the worst feelings ever. And I, I know maybe people would tell you, hey, maybe you need to grow up here and like grow up and, you know, like you shouldn't take it to heart what others are thinking. But these are the people who are in your life more than your family at that point, you know, in high school, eight hours a day, like these it's are hard. foundational years. Yes, it's very important. And um, that's why, like, I'm so much I'm so glad there's so much awareness for bullying now. Um, but when we were in school, that wasn't no one ever no. talked about it. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that that quickly it didn't last and it didn't turn into because um, I know this happens sometimes it didn't turn into um, a complete disdain or disgust for um, the culture that you grew up with. And instead, you finally found a moment in your life where like, yes, I can freely explore all of these things. Yeah, I, I would say it's taken quite a bit of time. I'm going to be honest with you there. I I think for the longest time I couldn't. I when I was with my family or like my Indian friends, I was very secure with that feeling of like, what is my culture? Can I celebrate it properly? Do I have to worry about what others think? But that took quite a bit of time for me to like finally accepting of, of all of that. Um, and then finally, when I did, I realized like, if people are gonna like me, they're gonna like me for who I am. And if they don't like me, then it, they're not worth my time. But it did take a lot of like, self-learning or self-growth right. to get to that point right. for sure yeah and so then on the flip side of that I I would imagine and you could correct me if I'm wrong but I would imagine as you're getting older and you're starting to you know 
your family uh, do you have a lot of extended family um oh yeah around we you? do yeah so <laughs> yeah. in terms of your extended family uh, you know your parents uh, siblings um as you're starting to like they're just starting to treat you as an adult and you're starting to sit in on some of the older conversations and sit at the grown up table um at that point i would imagine there'd be some criticism on the way you do things the way you grew up based on the american side of you have you had any experience with that oh of course i i think um i love my parents so much and um but my sister and i we if we were to i guess my mom would say something like um you know you're being too american you need to be more indian you need to be more traditional there's little things that like when we were growing up we'd be super embarrassed to wear like the bindi outside yeah or or like indian clothes um you know we go to the temple or we're going to mm-hmm. someone's house for like a indian party or family party right. and even just like us going to the grocery store and wearing indian clothes back then i would be so embarrassed and now when i wear indian clothes and i go to the grocery store to pick up flowers for a puja or something i'm like i'm a flaunt this i look amazing yeah, and yeah. so it's just like it's so funny cuz since i was young my mom would always just be like why do you care what these other people think and that's one thing that i i have freely learned from her is she doesn't care about what others think she cares about what she does and as long as it's good and positive for her she's going to do it and i have to say like you know when you're growing up your parents are like your worst enemy like you're a rebel yeah. and and now i'm like i want to be like my mom i hope right. i'm going to be like my mom so it's just really funny how that transition happens and i would say it's growth for me at least so and that's yeah. already such a um unusual um mentality in general among indians because indians are very like concerned about keeping up appearances Yeah. And so for your mother to be able to instill that and like I don't care about what other people are thinking is already like breaking that. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you know, I I did mention like they always wanted us to be very successful, but they never actually dictated like you need to be an engineer. In fact, my parents were always just kind of like like, you know, get educated and get a good job and then like if there's other things you want to do, like do it, but first go go study. And so they never forced us and i i feel like that's why my sister and i we are successful is because we we got to choose our paths right. granted right. i work in data and analytics and my sister is a doctor <laughs> but we chose those paths it's not like right. it was ever enforced upon us so right so you had think, uh, your parents were already little um uh, we're breaking the stereotype already we're a little bit more progressive and a little bit more um um follow your passion oriented. Uh, yeah, absolutely. With reason, uh, like reasonably follow your passion. Yeah. <laughs> reasonably. Um I think there were still times where like my mom was super traditional and you know she'd be like go do this puja or like don't talk to boys in high school that type of stuff. So I I but I do feel like that's a very typical experience for a lot of South Asian people. So Yeah, yeah and I was I was lucky to my parents um uh were similar. um they are still similar because i'm i finished my undergrad and i'm working towards my masters but it's always been about um uh, at least from my mom's side uh, she's always been if if you find something you're passionate for the money will follow just make sure that you you give it your all you're and you're not yeah. like half assing it like you're putting your all behind it and then you know the focus and the energy is there yep absolutely and now with like these food videos my mom is just like 
she it's really funny she'll be like why do people care about cabbage cora because <laughs> it's very but normal for us she, yeah but she's yeah. super like supportive of it and she's That's like awesome. i need to teach you more i need to like you know let's let's do some other recipes together and and let's brainstorm and i'm like i'm all about it because it's bonding with my mom but also learning and so that's been really great for me too yeah <laughs> yeah and it's it's it, it's been really awesome to see um uh not just you know not just you where you're bringing you know the south indian representation but then if looking because my tiktok is all mostly food at this point but there's like a lot of vegan creators um a lot of um chinese creators from all the different provinces um mm-hmm. and then there's so there's been this um reclamation that has been really yes. like fueled and empowered by Gen Zers, by yeah. by these these chaotic balls of anxiety, depression, and just like burn everything down. But I still can't call the doctor and book an appointment for myself. Um, who want to make sure that everybody is heard? Um, yeah. And it's it's enabled um, all of us. Even I'm 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 at the tail end of uh, the millennial kind of like line. You know, I grew up, I'm. I'm part of that 90s generation, but I'm still like very much an internet child. And Mm -hmm. so I never imagined that I would have the opportunity to be able to like speak to people and have something good come of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, I think, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You, You touched on a topic that I think was kind of the driving factor for doing all of this, which was kind of being inspired by this this new generation where we, where they don't take anything. Like if they're upset or angry about something, they're going to talk about it. And there was kind of a triggering factor for me that kind of started me down this path of like bringing awareness, but also speaking about like our food and our culture. And like you talked about the, the reclaiming of one's culture. So there was this vegan product that's being sold. And I don't want to call out the name because I don't, mean to put out those vibes out there but um if you've heard of a dish it's called basin chila um yeah yeah. so they are marketing this product as vegan eggs okay and if you look at the ingredients everything like i was i was super upset about it because they're selling close to i think 12 grams a packet of it's essentially like chickpea with like kala namak and like very basic ingredients and they're selling each one of these for almost 15 to $30. Okay. And I, and nowhere in their messaging, does it say like South Asian inspired or like, Hey, this is, you know, from India or anything like that. And so from that point, I was like, this cannot, this cannot keep happening because on the one hand, you have people who want to become vegan and they see products like this and there's such a barrier to entry. And yes. that's not, that's not fair in my mind. Then you have another group who are just, you know, um, marketing is a big deal now in this day and age. You know that influencers abound. And when people see these types of products, they think, oh, my God, this is the answer that I've been looking for forever. Like, I, I need to buy this. I need to spend the money because it's a luxury and this is going to change my lifestyle. Yeah. And I'm just not about that anymore. And so that's kind of where all of this started, which was to like bring awareness, teach people that you can make these recipes at home and um, you don't have to pay exorbitant prices to get this kind of lifestyle. So 
Right. <laughs> and and a lot of that com- it's and a lot of that's happened because I think of a combination of things. A people uh, Eurocentric diets have been very meat focused. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even when um, kind of you know if you look at uh, the French in Vietnam or the Spanish in the Philippines or the British in India, we still managed to keep take whatever they brought over. They're like cook it like this. We're like I guess, and then we ah. just don't do whatever we want. Um, like if you look at the Vietnamese banh mi's, right? It was uh, French mm-hmm. baguette rolls with uh, the Vietnamese um, um, twist on it. Whatever they wanted to do, they ended up doing. Right. Um, uh, but the reality is that a lot of Asian food just across the board is very easy to turn vegan because a lot of it focuses, even Mexican food, um, particularly, uh, I don't know too much about the rest of like South American food or Latin food, but I know Mexican food because it's very similar to Indian food in many aspects. All you got to do is take out usually the animal products and the meat and substitute the protein with beans and you're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, it's just a very, it's a very confused environment, I think. And and that's what happens and that's what is happening is where vegan creators are essentially rebranding our cultural food and they're calling it flatbread for example right right and um, and that's problematic to me it's very problematic also because not enough of us um, and this is i can i can speak for indians in general more so than anybody else we don't yeah. say anything um right where we're we're grown up to like um I can't speak for the gyms because they really don't care about anything. <laughs> but let's say, you know, my age and, you know, older, uh, we're very much thought to keep your head down, don't say too much, mind your business and keep working. Yeah, uh, I'm not about doing that at all. I, you know, I think the fact that if we don't speak up that our culture is going to be taken over or it's going to be commercialized and it's going to be made easy for the Western people or the West to digest it. And they're going to cut out the key factors that I think make it Indian or make it South Asian. And that's, that's a problem for me. So something that they're doing on TikTok, unfortunately, is where they kind of soak uh, masoor dal and, and then they grind it like a dosa, like dosa batter. And then they say, Hey, this is a flatbread. And if you read all of the comments on there, they're like so amazed that something like this exists. But this is kind of a version of a of a chila recipe or like a pasrattu kind of type thing. And they don't understand that, hey, there's a whole freaking subcontinent that makes this kind of food and they're very good at it. And like, you guys should follow those people, not like these random people who are ripping off the culture. But then you have this whole group of other people who are like, hey, they, it's their recipe. Why do you care? And I get, I get that food is going to evolve. I understand like the Silk Road is the perfect example of how food has changed and changed hands and changed yeah, over yeah. time. I get it. I totally understand that. But culturally speaking, we're not in that kind of day and age. We are yeah. still very much able to like, draw the lines a little bit of like hey this is south asian food so it should be respected in that sense um you know it shouldn't be stolen it shouldn't be rebranded and then these creators are getting the credit for these dishes that are thousands of years old and i unfortunately have to say this but the color of the skin matters because if you see a south asian kind of talking about this food it's just like cool whatever but then when you see a person who is not 
you know, South Asian and they're telling you about this food for some reason, it seems more compelling. So a lot of problems. I kind of touched on a lot of different things yeah, there, yeah. but all small things that I think if if we don't stop from if we if we don't speak out against it, it's going to be a problem in the future. Yeah, and it's it's the 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 macroaggressions, you know, the macro uh, acts of um, um, racism ha- are easier to call out now. You know, if we look at the last five or ten years, even Hank Azaria stepped down from his role as Apu, right? Um, and it took this long, you know, t- for that to happen, um, uh, for for education to kind of seep and soak in. Um, but those are easier to see. Those are easier to handle. Those are easier to speak out about. It's the microaggressions that. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, we also don't realize that that it's happening. Um, that we've just kind of like grown to accept. Um, there's a uh, and going back to like the erasure of our culture from these recipes. There's a um, TikTok. I can't remember his name. I need to look and see if I can find the video. But basically, he was talking about how he used to be very much a gatekeeper because he, he he cooks a lot of Chinese inspired recipes. So the video might have shown up. But he used to like gatekeep uh, who could cook his recipes. Uh, early on and as he started the whole like creator process he's, he stopped caring about gatekeeping and it eventually did turn into he wants to share this part of his culture and it's 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 to avoid the erasure of the culture more so than anything else because i you know if if tony from staten island new york wants to make a dosa kudos to tony just make sure oh, yeah. that he's like oh yeah this is from this is from uh yeah. Hyderabad. like cool great cool do whatever you want. i'm gonna put some margarita sauce on this great i want to try that yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I I make dishes like curry leaf burgers or like a I I do a masala chicken salad. Like that's not Indian. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like taking my two cultures and kind of putting them together. Um so I share these recipes because I want South Asian food to be more accessible to the common yep. person. I'm not trying to gatekeep our food in any way. I want everyone to explore Indian cooking. I want them to explore the flavors, the spices, everything, um, so that you can make dishes like curry yeah. leaf burgers. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm all about that. I I think the thing that I will not stand for is when you steal our dishes and you make it seem like something that it is not. Right. And that's the distinction for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've never either had an issue with fusion like some fusion should never happen but i've never seen fusion <laughs> as as like appropriation or theft because that's just you know at this point you have to do some of the weird combinations to to find something unique because that's just the level of like um uh you know global connectivity we're at is where like okay cool you know this dude can cook everything from mexican italian french indian korean so now at some point, it's all going to combine together because there's just going to be flavors that work well together. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> in Dallas, I have a guilty pleasure. It's called Velvet Taco. Um, okay. And, and they do <laughs> a chicken tikka taco. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds and delicious. It's amazing. I love it. And it's really basic. It's extremely basic, but it is one of my favorite like go-to um, kind of I, I want velvet taco so we right. don't have that in Boston because if, <laughs> if you reduce it down to what it is it's just bread wrapped in you know chicken wrapped in bread which is not uncommon to what we do already exactly yeah it's it's really not progressive in any way <laughs> but it's, it's yeah, a delicious um, fusion of what I love and so I I like it it's it's 
great. Um, um, so. Are you familiar with um, uh, Chef Roy Choi? Uh, I'm not, sorry. <laughs> he, um, he, he does the show, I think it's called Chef um, on Netflix. So it's based okay. on the movie with, uh, what's his name? The guy, John Favreau. Yeah, where they make uh, those sandwiches, yeah. Yeah, so he did that movie. And then for that movie, he had like actual training with like, um, you know, established chefs. And uh, Roy Choi was one of them and he worked with him pretty closely. Okay. Roy Choi okay. opened, he started his journey several years ago. Um, he ran a barbecue, a, a truck, a food truck in LA called Kogi. Koji, Kogi, I can't remember. Um, okay. Where they did, and he's Korean, Korean American, mm -hmm. and they did Korean street tacos, street food. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, he's been one of my, I, all I ever consume on YouTube or Netflix is really food shows. So if you ever wanted yeah. to see um, somebody else with a similar experience, but not, you know, South Asian reclaim, you know, acknowledge that, oh yeah, no, it really sucked opening up the box of kimchi my mom would give me as a child. Imagine getting kimchi as a child. I would die for it now, but growing up, it was not something I would do because I wanted oh. the, the boiled hot dogs that Ben had. <laughs> because <laughs> that seemed more appealing for whatever reason um it was no, more it's, accepted it's, it was more <laughs> accepted because that was the norm yeah. but then there was also no sensitivity i mean kids don't have sensitivity anyways they're a product of their environment so they could only tell you so much about how they were how they grew up yeah I um, agree. <laughs> but no it's all it's it's all about it's always about erasure and preventing that uh, even with what I've been trying to do is making sure that, because I'm also uh, like, I look at all different um, celebrations, festivals, uh, uh, cover a whole you know, variety of topics to make sure that I'm also educating myself because I'm not a know-it-all. You know, I know yeah. so much from what I grew up with. I, but the, the unique thing that I have is because I grew up in a situation where my, I felt ridiculed for wanting to, be who I am, I can understand, I have an easier appreciation for other cultures. Yeah, I, I think the biggest uh, thing for me is like, I love the Korean vegan. She's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And have you heard of her? Yeah. Yes. And she's so inspirational to me because she's kind of, she talks about a, a lot about her family and her, those stories, but also through food and, and the fact that all of her food is vegan as well. So I love being exposed to her and her, like she puts out these positive vibes out in the world. And it's such a good feeling. Like you watch one of her videos and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what we all need to strive to do is to put out those positive vibes, share who we are with people. Hopefully the people who are listening are accepting of it, obviously. Yeah. But imagine creating an environment where everyone's just sharing their stories and relating back to one another. Like, I feel like that would be ideal. Um, and it's kind of happening, but to that effect, I love learning. And if we can keep doing that, that's going to be such a big factor or the willingness to learn also is really important. So I think with all of these videos, with the food, that's something that we can teach in a positive way or environment through food <laughs> yeah because the two things and i think i mentioned this to you on, on our initial uh, meeting at least uh, the two things i believe that we'll all participate in is food and fashion 
And so the way yeah. we present ourselves to other people and the way we cook for other people is, is how we will always communicate, whether there's a language barrier or not, food and fashion are two things that people understand. Yeah. Um, so let's, because um, uh, I want to wrap up soon. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, oh, yeah, you but uh, let's let's move back towards like the uh, food business, food world side of things. Okay. Um, for whatever your current aspirations are, who are some of your or who has been like some of your biggest influences? Or because uh, I don't want to say um, what's what's like what's like a professional level of a crush? I can't um, I can't think of the word. Idols, who do you look up to? That's that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so she was on the Great British Bake Off or I, Great British Baking Show. I, I can't remember the name, but I will binge watch that till I die. And uh, her name is Chetna McCann. Okay. Um, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. I feel like sometimes when you hear like the English pronunciation of a name, you're just kind of like, uh. <laughs> Chetna McCann, yeah. Yeah, so she was on the Great British Breaking Show, and I love her because she just exudes, like, this positive energy. Um, She cooks food where she kind of, like, grew up with, um, but then also, like, how that's kind of evolved and changed for her as she's gotten older. Um, And now I, I believe she lives in the UK. I'm not exactly sure, but, like, you know, she shares these amazing recipes some of them are like fusion recipes. Some of them are just like desserts that, you know, you make in America or like in the UK, that type of thing, like a chocolate cake. Um, but I, I just enjoy her voice so much. And the amount of rep- representation we have through her is honestly amazing. Um, I, again, I think it was very lucky, you know, we got to see her on the Great British Bake Off show, but if we didn't have her or if we couldn't have found her that way I I don't know if I would have ever had somebody you know that I could have really looked up to who I felt was really genuine and positive um and so I'm really glad that we have baking shows sometimes because we get exposed to like normal everyday people who I I think they're able to take that and and change it into something else um there's actually uh another lady that I met through Instagram she was on MasterChef and she's one of the most humble women that I've ever met in my life um, or woman. Uh, so she is married to an Indian man. She has two kids. Um, so she, and, and she's white and he is Indian. So um, they the and she's just so kind, so humble, but she gets so much hate on the Internet sometimes because she cooks Indian food, for example. Um, and so seeing her story, sometimes it, it makes me sad uh, to see that because she's not trying to appropriate our culture. She's not trying to do any of that. She's actually just kind of trying to bond with her husband and her family and her in-laws and, and that type of thing. And, and she's showing appreciation for our culture. Um, so she's actually somebody that I, I look up to because even through all of that, she's able to like still put out some amazing recipes like she just bought a tundur oven for example nice. <laughs> so that she could take her cooking she's to the all next in. Level. Nice. yeah she's all in and so seeing people who are like everyday people they're the people that really inspire me I know there's some big amazing chefs out there and but 
to me, people like this, I feel like I can talk to and communicate with and actually learn from them um, right. on a more personal level. So, right. Yeah, you hopefully that answers your question. Feels, yeah, no, absolutely. It feels, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, because they say, and to some extent, to a large extent, I think it's true, you know, don't meet your heroes um, yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, they, uh, you know, you'll be disappointed by so many different things. That's a whole, I think that's a whole other topic. But if you're able to form, I think, I think that's what a lot of people don't do is, is cultivating a circle around them of people mm -hmm. that they can look up to, but also those people that treat them the same. They treat them as, you know, you're all treating each other as peers and you're all slowly kind of pushing each other, but not in a shark eat shark kind of like, you know, violent way. Yeah. It's just, let's all like rise up together. Yeah, I actually met um, Sherry, her name, uh, Sherry on Clubhouse. And nice, oh, cool. I first saw her, like a little, her bio and I was like, oh my God, like she is out there. She's amazing. Yeah. Like there is no way somebody like this would want to talk to me. Yeah. I talk to her almost every other day and that like, you know, building that relationship. I've never met her in real life. Hopefully yeah. one day we always talk about like cooking for each other. So there's yeah. that, <laughs> but it's been so organic the way we've yeah. built that out and like talk to each other and I'll be like hey Sherry um I've never grilled chicken properly on an actual grill like that's not something I have ever done and I was like how do I grill tandoori chicken <laughs> which sounds sad but um you know that's more of what my husband does I don't do that kind of stuff <laughs> right and you but, know if he lets you're trying to organize a surprise you don't want to let him know your family <laughs> has never done it so who do you turn to yeah, I, I had this, uh, I have an electric stove at home and I have a handy dandy mm -hmm. stovetop grill. That's what nice. I do when I grill. <laughs> I've never nice. done yeah. like a propane grill. Two. So little basic, you know, things like yeah. that. Like I'm, I'm still learning. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, okay, uh, we'll wrap up with two more questions. Uh, one of them is going to put you on the spot. So I'll let you figure that's going to be the end. Um, okay. And we've kind of, I think we kind of covered it, but I did want to ask you if you had maybe a more, um, concrete or maybe a more put together idea. What does, um, in, in your current context, through your current perspective, what does representation mean to you? So I think, you know, it's funny that you asked that question. Um, so we have representation kind of through some of the celebrities that we see in media right now, like Mindy Kaling. Um, I've loved her since The Office. Uh, you have like, Lily Singh, yeah, Camille Nanjiani, Lily Singh. You have Hassan Minaj, yeah. um, Priyanka Chopra, and it's really funny because we say that we want the representation, but yet for some reason our community is the biggest critics of these people. Yes, um, and so that whole thing is very ironic to me. Um, so representation, I think, is like a loaded gun sometimes. Like if they make one misstep or they say the wrong thing at the wrong time we are the biggest critics of our own people. And I don't understand that. Um, I'm not sure if that's really answering your question. I think representation would be very, very cool to have. I think being tolerant of the people who represent us is really important. Um, without that, I think there's no point in representation if we're gonna be the biggest critics of our own people. And so sometimes I'm scared to put out TikTok videos because you know, uh, I'm, I'm not good at Hindi, but like, it's that whole, what are people going to say? Yeah. Or what is society going to think about me doing this? 
that type of stuff. So representation is kind of scary. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's, um, you know, as much as I do want to see more brown men on the screen for or in other roles or in various positions, it's, um, it, I think we, especially marginalized uh, um, communities will uh, idolize them. And then because we idolize them, we'll either like blindly ignore all of the examples of how they're not necessarily a good person because mm -hmm. we don't get any representation. So we have to hold on to whatever we get, or we just, as is the Indian standard, we just tear them down for just about everything that doesn't align to any kind of like Indian social norm. Exactly, yeah. So I, and to go back to your question, I, I think it would be amazing to have it. I think we need to calm down on some of the judgment because they're normal people just like us. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're under quite the magnifying glass. Yeah. Mistakes are going to happen. Um, hopefully I don't put out a video that's going to offend thousands of people one day, <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah. So that's kind of my take on representation. Hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, uh, perspective is, um, sometimes you have to gain perspective from asking questions and I don't think people ask those questions. And so my last question for you then would be, if you want to take some time with this, I can work audio editing magic. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and so I phrased this question differently for any guests I've had on any show I've ever done, but I think the essence okay. is still the same. So let me try this. Um, what kind of, um, what kind of advice would you give to, to like a 12 year old you? If, if you were limited to send like a message, like a tweet, you know, or like two tweets max. So like 240 characters, whatever it was. Um, what's, what's some general life advice that you'd like to share? Because as a, as a, you know, I'm only 26, I'm not gonna act like I'm ancient, but uh, some of the things that I wish I could have told myself even like two, three years ago, um, I'd, love to, I'd love to have that opportunity. So even if you had to go back three years um, or five years even, what is some advice that you wish you'd had then um, that you're grateful for the experience? Sorry, I just need a second to phrase this. I no, think. absolutely. Um... So as generic as it sounds, I would say uh, do what makes you happy. And if you are unhappy about it, don't do it. Um, so I know that's maybe not very profound, <laughs> but I've realized that the times that I was most unhappy was when the, I wasn't choosing to do what I wanted to do. Um, whether that's like whether that's like going on a date with somebody to like working on a project that I wasn't interested in or staying in a job for too long that I shouldn't have stayed in for as long as I did, for example. Um, the moment you feel like you're unhappy about something, you need to reevaluate, understand the situation and take clear steps to get out of that unhappiness because if you let unhappiness fester, you're gonna go down the wrong path in your life. Um, so yeah, there should never be a reason you're unhappy. Uh, that's, that's kind of become my philosophy a little bit. Um, we were actually on 
clubhouse and they were, I was running actually a, a group for some girls and we were just asking, yeah. they were asking like, um, so I'm married, but like, obviously that took a while and took some yeah. time to get there. And they were asking questions about, you know, like somebody who didn't, who was doing something that they didn't like. And to me, I was like, the answer is so straightforward. Like move on, let go and do something. You know, you got to put yourself first. That's, and maybe that might sound selfish. That might sound kind of self-centered. I don't care anymore. Like my happiness is what comes first for me forever and always now. I mean, my husband matters, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'm not going to do something that's going to make me unhappy. Right. And um, if you can't be but, happy, then how are you going to like cultivate that um, or maintain those relationships that also matter? Right. You cannot. Yeah. It's not um, no, it's, 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 it's simple. It might be cliche, cheesy, whatever you might call it, but I think it's, um, it's, it's one of those, like with all like adult advice it's it's easier said than done absolutely but it really is sometimes as simple as just that and then having somebody tell that to you like a hundred times and then finally the hundred and first person says it and it just clicks I, you know if when someone gives you advice you're never going to take it i i've yeah. i've noticed that all my life everything that i've done my mom has told me a thousand times and yeah. until it actually triggers i will not give her the benefit of the doubt <laughs> which is so bad um Sometimes they not, do know better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So. <laughs> um, this has been uh, this has been very uh, awesome. Honestly, like it's it's very interesting to because I I do I have a cousin who grew up she grew up in in New Jersey so um, I'm sure there have been some similarities in like the conversation that I could have had with her but then food was what um, grabbed me which is why I wanted to have this conversation with you so thank you for doing this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is your opportunity now before you wrap up to plug okay. whatever you want to plug. You want to plug your pets, Instagram, yourself, whatever. It's, it's floor is yours. Um, so I'd like to plug a lot of spice first on TikTok and, and on Instagram. I would, I would love to build and create a community of like-minded people and a place where I can share recipes and I want people to try those recipes and, and share their results with me. Um, I want to cultivate a community and environment where just lots of positive vibes and, and good things. And I'm, I'm approachable. I feel like I can talk to anybody and um, hopefully people can feel the same way about me. So um, that's all I, I guess I want to plug. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I just I'm kind of shy when it comes to doing that kind of stuff I, I have to learn to to be more confident when I do it um, I am too I don't want to be that <laughs> I don't want to be that guy who has a podcast you know yes. I understand what that's like right now but um, I think we have to be proud of the things that we're doing for ourselves too. the amount of shyness I feel when I tell people like hey I got I yeah I do a TikTok but yeah. <laughs> Um, so just to confirm, that's a lot of spice. So A-L-O-T-T-A-S-P-I-C-E on TikTok and Instagram. Correct. Yes, okay, absolutely. Okay, cool. And th that'll also be in the description for the episode. Um, okay. Is there, is there any last thing you'd like to share before we close up here? I think food is super special. Um, and in our home, like I said, food is love. And if you want to show somebody a little bit of love, 
just cook them a good meal. Um, it could go a long way, whether it's in a relationship or just you spending time with your family. Um, coming together, just being together is really important to me. And, and hopefully that comes across with the kind of food that I make. That's awesome. Thank you, Neha. Thank you for listening. Um, everybody remember to please be safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, um, and take care.